Hello, Mike. It is. Cormac Walsh here. How are you? Not so bad, thanks. Ah, that's good, that's good. You must be the only person left in the world that has a landline. Fair play. <laughs> <laughs> Probably right, I think. Uh, I'm a bit of a bloody dinosaur, to be honest. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, it's, it's no harm. I tell you, my folks are the same. They have the landline as well, you know. It's gas-like. Uh, how, how, are, how are you anyway? You keeping well? Yeah, I'm keeping well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's good. Whereabouts, um, just... whereabouts are you? Uh, whereabouts are you living at the moment, Mike? We live in South Dorset, near the coast, about 20 minutes from the coast. Oh, lovely, lovely. And uh, what's the weather like over there at the minute? Uh, good today, but we've had a fair bit of rain this last week. In fact, I came back from Brazil uh, two weeks ago, and uh, it's been fairly miserable until this last day or two. Yeah, it's kind of same. I'm down in Wexford here. You're probably you've probably been over here before. Um, I'm down around by Kilmore Quay, and uh, same here. It's been, it's been, it's been actually mild the last couple of days. I think it was thirteen or fourteen degrees today. Um, now, now the wind has been, it's been uh, hasn't been great, you know. Um, the wind, wind wise, like, but um, oh look, it's, but there's a bit of a feel of spring to it. I noticed the last couple of days. That's actually exactly right. It's been. I think it's about fourteen or fifteen degrees here today. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice. I actually, I, yesterday I was up. I went uh, fishing pike. You know, I I don't really fish for pike. Um, it's my second time ever, and uh, went up to Cavan to fish pike, and uh, it was actually a lovely, lovely mild day up there, and uh, we had some good sport on the boat. Uh, plenty of pike now, nothing big, you know, but um, but it was great yeah. to get a bit of action this time of the year. You know, to keep the bass blues away. <laughs> yes. I've only been I've only been to Ireland twice. In fact, I've been to uh, to Cork once and to Mayo once. I've been. Ah, very good. You obviously did a bit of fishing, did you? Uh, down in Cork, you did a bit of bass fishing. Yeah. Ah, very good, very good. Um, was that a was that a long time ago, Mike, or recent enough? Oh yeah, well yeah, a long time ago. Everything's a long time ago now. Yeah. <laughs> You must you must see how how much you know bass fishing has changed since you started. Like it's probably you know it's probably unrecognizable now. All the lures and the technology and the rods and um, what do you make of it all? Well, it's it's fairly dramatic changes. But I, in fact, I used to live in the northeast of England, and it was only in the nineteen sixties I moved down here into Dorset. Right. So I hadn't seen a bass really until then, and. Uh, at first, we used to fish for, off the you know traditional beach casting for congers and things like that. Yeah, and we never caught it. We never caught a bass. And the first one I caught was probably the late sixties. And uh, one of my pals uh, cottoned on to the idea of using plugs for uh, for catching them. Right. And uh, we bought some rapalas and uh, Never looked back after that. Basically, I've caught literally thousands since then. You know. And when when was that, Mike? Did you say roughly? It would be the late sixties. Really, using plugs back then, yeah. Yeah, they, they, I think they were probably the, some of the first ones to use. And I'm sure they'd used them in the early part of the century, you know, on and off. But uh, they'd never been a sort of popular lure for sea fishing. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it was all kind of bait, wasn't it? And live bait. And it was probably unheard of to use an artificial lure. Well, the big advantage of the, the plugs, of course, down here, it's very, very snaggy shoreline. There's a lot of bass territory is. And uh, 
the thing about Rapalas was that you could cast them out. Uh, the floating ones just sat on the surface until you wound them in. So you didn't lose too many lures. That was a vast advantage for us. Yeah, and like, it must have been difficult enough to get your hands on those lures, Mike, was it? Or how did you manage that? No, funnily enough, there'd been a chap who worked in Bournemouth who ran a fishy dackle uh, section in a big department store there. And he'd been fishing well, for some time before, and I got to know him. And he actually was the first importer of Rapalas to this country. Right, okay. Very good. So you had you had kind of reasonable access to those lures then. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's uh. It must have been a very exciting time when you actually started getting fish on these lures. Like, oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I think the first time I went to Weymouth, which is a little bit further along the coast from where I am, and I was fishing off a bridge where the tide ran under the bridge. Yeah. And uh, I just loved this. Uh, lure and let it drift away on the current and as soon as I started winding it back I was into a fish oh, brilliant. and uh, we never looked back after that really yeah yeah so like what kind of lures then after the rapalas like what other kind of stuff come, came on the scene can you remember oh, well we fished them for a long time I don't think to be honest I don't think the lures make a vast difference to bass fishing because the the, the eat such a huge range of different uh, uh, foods you know yeah yeah crabs, crabs fish and so on but uh we used those for a long time, and then there was a uh, uh, a development in lures. So you were getting more from uh, Japan and places like that, and there were hard plastics substituting for the balsa wood rapalas, but uh, none of them were a, a sort of massive improvement on the other. Some were a bit heavier, easier to cast, and some uh, some had uh, uh, better action and so on. But they they all worked, you know, basically. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, did you ever have a go at making your own? I did, I did. And uh, they were often quite good, but uh, I'm not a great DIY person. I used to make them out of balsa wood. And yes. uh, the big the big advantage I had was I could make actually bigger ones than you, you could buy. The $10 to be a bit too small, I think, the ones that you bought. Right, yeah, yeah. Maybe get a better cast out of them or whatever. Yeah, that's right. And the fish you get you get bigger fish if you use bigger lures basically generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um then I suppose the whole soft plastic thing came along. Did you ever get into that end of it as well? Yeah, well yes. I mean that was a that was one of the revolutions, wasn't it? I mean there were several things that have happened. The the braided line and yes, the yeah. uh, and the weedless soft plastic because weedless soft plastics are immediately uh, an obvious uh, improvement on on plugs with treble hooks all over them because you can fish them then through the weeds and the rocks. Yeah, yeah. You don't even have to. You don't even have to see where you're casting. You know, you can cast. Uh, you can fish in the dark or anything, and you're not going to get snagged up. Yeah, real real game changer. All right, isn't it? Like, I mean, uh, you know, whereas before traditionally you'd be firing out a metal or something into the snag into the snaggy ground and reel, reeling it as fast as you can, trying not to get snagged. Like, uh, well, yeah, it was almost, almost futile. Sometimes you just lose a lure every few casts. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And can you remember the kind of the first kind of soft plastics you used, or when did you start using them? That's a good question. I've been using them since these first were introduced, I think. But uh, 
I suppose a lot of stuff came I, from Japan, didn't it? That's all, them soft plastics in America, I suppose. As well, we yeah, were influenced. There were, there were, I think I think the things I used were things like sluggos that they ah uh, yes uh, they made in the USA. And what what we started doing, me and my pals, was to uh, to use them as the front end where you've got the hook hidden in, and then we'd add a different tail on them, so a waggy tail or a wriggly tail, you know. Oh yeah, so the, yeah. The had more action, more action than the. Uh, the things you are buying, yes. Otherwise, yeah. you got to keep you got to keep waggling the rod about and, and changing the rate you wind and things like that. But it, the, if you've got a, a waggy tail on, you can just wind the thing straight in, basically, and it's still got a good action. Ah, very good. So you'd stick like maybe a paddle tail or something on it, would you? Something like exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. Ah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Like, I mean, you see the lures these days. Like, you know, you get all these kind of lance lures and just long stick baits and. You know, it seems that they don't really have much action, but uh, they're, they're still effective. Uh, they still work, yeah. That's what I say. Virtually anything works as long as it's vaguely fish-like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it really has, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really is moving fast technology-wise. Like, as you mentioned, the braid as well. I mean, the braid was a big yeah. thing, isn't it, for just the ability to cast kind of, to cast lighter lures, I suppose. I think, the, yeah, that, that, is a, that is an improvement, but the... Of course, the major advantage is that uh, it's so strong as the stuff, basically. So you don't have to use relatively heavy line, you know, to give you a chance. You can you can use twenty or thirty pound braid, and it, it, it'll fish anywhere. Yeah, and I suppose it's a, kind of the same diameter diameter as maybe an eight pound mono or a six pound mono, or something That's like right. that. And you're still a chance of pulling your lure out of weed if it does get hung up, won't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then rods as well. So rods, like, I mean, every every few months there's a new rod coming out and, um, you know, all this new technology with the carbon and lighter rods and longer and some guys prefer short rods. And what's your preference for the bass? I used to, what I started with, it was a, a 12-foot, what, what nowadays you'd call a barbell rod. Right, yeah. about a pound and a half test curve. And I still like I still like sort of soft through-action rods like that rather than the sort of modern ones. But they, to be honest, the rod's almost irrelevant, really. Uh, it helps you sometimes to guide the lure clear of a, a snag or something of that sort, you know, but I'll keep a fish out of the, out of the snags, but... It, it doesn't make much difference to how many you catch, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. As they, as they say, you know, it doesn't matter what, what rod or, or lure you have. If, if you're good enough, you'll catch them, you know? <laughs> well, the most important thing is always been being in the right place at the right time, hasn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm on the south coast, southeast coast here, and, and I have some spots, you know, but I noticed... Over over years, over the years, that like you might have a good spot one year, and then the next year the fish are not there. They've they've moved, they've changed their habits. I suppose like us, they change their habits. Um, um. So you're kind of always kind of searching for new spots or trying to suss out, um, you know where they are this year. Yeah, I think I think with it being a rocky sort of uh, coastline where I fish, the conditions don't change that much from year to year. Some years are worse than others, of course, because the, the population of fish goes up and down quite a lot. Uh, you have good good year classes and bad year classes, you know. So in, in the 90, early 1990s, uh, it was disaster. There was one chap, I remember, uh, it was a good bass fisherman. He went 40-odd times, and then he packed in and went salmon fishing after that. He'd never been bass fishing since, I don't think. Really, yeah. Just a, just a bad run, a bad bad year, bad season. Absolutely. Several years, several years, bad years. 
I mean, the mid-80s were fantastic, and then uh, we were catching a lot of big fish, and then suddenly there was nothing much about, you know. But, it, I mean, it's it's gone up again, and it, it, it varies year to year quite a lot. Yeah, I remember. I suppose when I was a teenager, whatever, in the in the nineties and early early late eighties, early nineties, and the, the the stocks really collapsed here, kind of early nineties. Um, yeah. They really, yeah. really, really collapsed here, and that's when they kind of introduced the kind of, um, you know, the 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 regulations and whatnot. And because um, yeah. I remember that was even though I was only a kid, like it was still really hard to catch bass, and there wasn't many people catching bass around the place. Like, and uh, for a good for for a lot of those nineties, early nineties, um, uh, you know, the bass were pretty scarce. But but thankfully, thankfully, I mean, the, you know, they they have made a comeback from them days anyway. And as you said, like some years I'd have a lot, and other years not as much, and you know, but there seems to be, you know, relatively healthy uh, stocks there here anyway. Uh, yeah, and of course the way you fish can make a huge difference as well. There's, a, there's one place that I fish, and if you fish a lure, which I've done for many years, um, we haven't had a fish there that I remember over about four pounds, you know, and we've caught literally hundreds and hundreds of fish in this place. I started using live baits, and I haven't had one under about five, and the best been well over eleven. There you go. That's a that's a and that's the same fishing the same water exactly with a different tactic. Yeah, yeah. Off the rock. Yeah, uh, just goes to show like the obviously the bigger bass are not they're not interested or not fooled by the artificial lures. Something. Well, I don't know about that. It's curious, isn't it? I mean, what? Why would that? Why would that be? Because I've caught quite a lot of big bass on, on artificial lures and other people catch plenty but this place you catch small ones on, on lures yeah yeah and uh, I suppose we, we, we don't know we can't really explain why but we just know that that's, that, that's how it that's how it goes there well I've spent a lot of time thinking about it and I guess that uh, the, the only conclusion I can come to is that it's basically the size of the thing that you're using for, for bait that's interesting I've never I've never really got around to using gigantic lures there, but uh, maybe that that would make a difference. I, I imagine we, the things I'm using. I mean, they're a whole, I use a whole mackerel. I never bother how big the mackerel is. I still just poke it on, lip hook it, and let it go. And uh, you catch big bass. You don't catch as many, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a good one actually nearly the opposite of that we were out in the boat there one time oh, it was a couple of years ago and we were we were using um, we were using uh, about that. you're okay yeah I was out in the boat there one time a couple of years ago and we were using live bait you know mackerel and uh, yeah. and no fish right we weren't getting anything so one of the lads took on a, a white um, you know a white sand eel jig head um, yeah. artificial lure and all of a sudden, he started getting bass, and so we all threw on the all threw on the white lures, and we were into the bass. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah well, I'm, you know, it's. I'm uh, sure it depends. It depends to some extent what the things are feeding on, doesn't it? You know, if if you happen to be, uh, if they're just feeding on small bait fish or something like that, using a big lure can sometimes be a waste of time. It's something I'm just not interested. But, yeah, but this thing I'm talking about, I mean, it's a matter of over several years of fishing this place and I had literally we haven't had a fish over about four pounds on, on the lures there 
That's uh, that's really interesting because we all have those marks that we go to. We fished them for years, and you know we know we know that okay, we'll go down. We might get a few fish, but it won't be that big. But you're always guaranteed a few fish. Yeah, and that's uh, right. and we never think any more about it. Well, I don't anyway. But there you go. You just tried a different method, and all of a sudden there's these bigger bass there as well, and um, that we yeah. that we we didn't realize were there. Of course, you need you need some patience if you're going to do that. Of course, you know you can have a few blanks as well. And I think people soon get sick of it if they're catching nothing all the time. They'll, uh, they'll give it up, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like it's like you know people sussing out new marks and new spots. Like it's very hard to drive past your 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 regular spots that you know you get fish. Like 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 the fish were creatures of habit. We like going catching fish, and uh, you know it can it can inhibit us sometimes that we we don't go and you know. F- explore new ground um, instead of, you know, going to our usual haunts and, and getting our kind of regular fish like. Well, of course, it's important to get to know a stretch as well, isn't it? I mean, if you're, if you're constantly going around to other places, then you never really get to know any of them. So going back to the same place is important as well, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mike, you know bass more than most of us and, you know, and your background in marine biology and whatnot and like from what I can see, uh, you know, there has been some studies done, and you know, we we still don't know a whole lot about the fish. Um, you know, in particular, like breeding and you know what where they go during the winter periods. Um, have you any kind of theories on that in relation to your own kind of understanding? Well, not really, because obviously I fish in South Dorset, but I think it's fairly well known that they. Uh, they go down to the southwest approach of the English Channel to, to spawn, and a lot of them have been caught, haven't they, by pair uh, trolling and so on down there, I think, in the past. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think not so much perhaps nowadays, but the fish still do that, and they come back up the channel and probably up the west coast and, and to your uh, fisheries in, uh, in the east and south east. part of the summer, you know, May and, and, and thereabouts, and that's when they're spawning. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, Mike, did you did you do much fishing for them over the winter and the winter months? Well, yeah, I, I do fish, but uh, I tend to switch to other things. I used to normally fish for, for pike in the winter and so on. So I'm not just a, a dedicated bass fisherman. My, one of my pals, Bill, um, is tries to catch a bass in every month of the year. And I know he's already had one in January and... Uh, and a couple in February so far this year. So although it can be a bit slow at that time of year, you can still get good fish at, uh, in, the, in the winter. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure in Ireland, it's, it's probably even better where you are, I think, isn't it? in Ireland, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I've done that myself a few winters, just try to try to catch a bass in every month, and I have done it. But um, you know, uh, reward for effort is uh, you know it's uh, it's a lot of effort for a little reward. But they are there now. I mean, you might get one. I might get one in January. You know that kind of way, or maybe two in February. Exactly, um, and it's hard work, isn't it? It is. It is hard work, and I was like, you know what? I think I'll go fish for a pike instead. <laughs> I know. I know it's a lot easier pike fishing, and it was. A, it was even a lot easier catching salmon once the salmon season started in sort of uh, February and March, you know, down here. But uh, but I, I like the bass fishing. We used to start in April and fish through to about the end of November, but uh, I think the seasons got longer as the. Uh, as the climate's changed and the sea's getting warmer now. Yeah, definitely. I notice here anyway, March 
usually I'd kind of go out around St. Patrick's Day and in some of the some of the local spots, either you know they're 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 there in kind of reasonable numbers. You know, maybe three or four fish there, or you know, not nothing too big. But they start arriving um, the last couple of years. Uh, you know, early in in March. So. Um, so we we'll, we'll see what happens, and then yeah, and then I get some great fishing. November, um, even December can be can be quite good, um, if the weather plays ball. The best best time I think November December I think down here now, particularly if you want to catch big fish. Yeah, yeah, same same here. It's just just uh, yeah, November December. Some of the spots here they just seem to turn on. The bigger fish seem to come in. Um, I don't know what they're feeding on. There seems to be a lot of uh, bait fish in the water as well around that time of the year. So that's obviously what, what bringing them in. Do you, find, do you find they feed a lot on on small things like uh, like seaweed fly maggots and and uh, and little marine woodlice and things like that? Sometimes they're absolutely stuffed with these things when they're about. Yeah, yeah, I see that. You know, a lot of the time when the seaweed is obviously rotten after a couple of the you know the big blows we have here, southerlies yeah. and. And uh, you get the, you'll see them along the edge, there just feeding on the, as you said, the maggots and whatnot. And um, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, really interesting. In amongst the mullet as well. Well, it's it's the it's the mullet that we tended to fish for when we saw them feeding on the surface. But you can, sometimes you can can't catch mullet because there's so many bass there, you know. And vice versa. Sometimes you just catch nothing but mullet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do a lot of, I I use a lot of hard lures. My favourite kind of shallow diving lures, and a kind of like a maybe a twelve centimeter lure in a mullet kind of a pattern, and that seems to just be be deadly uh, down around here. You know, um, for me, I just uh, even at night time, you know, this shallow diving mullet pattern. Um, I don't know if it's anything to do with the pattern. It could be just the confidence of using the lure that I know it works. I think that's you probably hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of it's com- down to confidence, isn't it? If you think the lure will work, it usually does. Yeah, and you're more inclined to use it more as well, so you're going to catch more. Exactly. You persist better, don't you, when you've got got a lure on that you believe in? Yeah, you sure do. Yeah, yeah. Like so, like, would you have been any? Would you have talked about color much with lures, or would you? Would you have? noticed anything in relation to different colors attracting no, kind of I bass think it, i think it makes very little difference very little difference i we the the you could use a white lure all the year round and it'd be just as successful as anything else i think generally yeah 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 i find kind of white or or dark you know one or the other contrast wise you know either dark or light you know i tend to i can't i tend yeah. to switch from from one or the other you know if if the dark one is not working i'll switch on the light one the white one if the white one's not working i'll go dark it's you know most of the time anyway have you have you seen a, a book uh, called sea angling with a baited spoon have you read that book no it's a very old book and the chap was catching flounders on um Baited spinners from his boat. He fished in one of the South of England estuaries, and he used to troll these spinners baited with ragworm. And when he, uh, for various reasons, you have to read the book. But when he switched to using white lures, he caught bass. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So he was getting. What was he getting? Flounders with the baited spoon? Was it? He used to, he's catch. He's catch flounders. Yeah. Hang on a minute, I'll, I'll just go grab the book and I'll tell you who wrote it. I've forgotten his name. Just yeah, me. great. It's a long time since I read it. But it's a really good, it's a fantastic book, uh, whether you're interested in bass or not. But that was certainly one of the things that uh, 
that made me think, you know, maybe white's the thing to use, but to be honest, I don't think it makes a vast difference. But white is certainly a very effective colour for, for bachelors. It is, it is, yeah, definitely, yeah. It's one of my favourite anyway. Um, you know, a white either a metal, a white shallow diving lure, or a white soft plastic, you know, they're all very successful. Yes, right, right. This, this book was written by a chap who called himself Sea Angler, and his name is John Garrard, G-A-R-R-A-D. Okay. And I'll tell you when it was published. It was published a long time ago. It's a book worth reading. It's one of the best fishing books there is, I think. Brilliant, brilliant. It was published in 1960, first of all. Excellent. Yeah, have a note of that now. I'll check that one up. Yeah, have a look at it. It's worth reading. Yeah, talking about books, um, Mike, you're obviously, you know, Hooked on Bass is a famous book um, by yourself, you know. Um, when when did that come out first? 1983, I think. Brilliant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, it was a, a fantastic book, you know, and it's kind of really the Bible on, on bass fishing, you know. it's uh, It was just, you know, it's, it's it was just so full of information that kind of, it was just something, something totally different, you know. Um, so much information in it that we didn't really know about in relation to bass fishing. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's true. But uh, but of course, things have changed, as you said already. Things have changed quite a lot since the nineteen eighties. Yeah, I mean yeah. a lot of these innovations have come since then, haven't they? The the soft baits and the braid and so on. Yeah. And nowadays, yeah. when I I fish bait quite a lot as well, and I only use circle hooks now, and I don't use any lead anymore. Really, yeah, yeah. I just, I just freeline. Really, and yeah. Again, I've caught a lot more big fish freelining baits than I ever did using lead. That's uh, that's very interesting. So you just clip on your bait and flick it out into the into the surf, I presume, or very exactly. close. <clears throat> exactly, anywhere between two and ten yards, I suppose, from where I stand. And and why do you think? Why do you think that, Mike? Why is why do you think it's more effective? Is it more natural? I suppose. Yeah, it tends to wash around in the places where the fish are, but I think the fish are feeding a lot closer. I mean, if you go back in the, in the past and read about bass fishing, they'll always tell you about the kid who caught one because he couldn't cast, you know, he just lobbed it in the edge and yeah. caught a monster. Yeah, and I yeah. think, to be honest, that's where they feed a lot of the time. Where as soon as the tide starts moving, they're following it in within a yard or two of the edge. Yeah, creeping along there, along just the yeah. back of the back of the, the back of yeah. the trough to surf. In fact, you can, you, can, you know, I, I've been fishing for so many years, and there's places where I've sat and I watched them, and they swim along, literally only a yard or two from the the edge of the sea. Yeah, yeah. And they go back and forth, patrolling up and down. They don't always take a bait, mind you. Can put one in front of them and ignore it for for hours, but they will take it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I know the Irish, the Irish short caught bass record. I think it's around eighteen pound, and the chap that got it, uh, he caught it on a sand deal. And the story goes is that like he was, I suppose he was, you know, just a, uh, you, you know, he was, uh, you know, he wasn't uh, an angler as such, if you know what I mean. He was just out fishing yeah, with yeah. friends or whatnot, and he cast it out, and it went kind of sideways on him, a bit of a, a bit of a skewed cast. And uh, didn't go out very far, so we just left it and uh, just, you know, went about his business. But he ended up catching that uh, that eighteen pound bass on on that cast, you know. <laughs> so um, yeah. that's just the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 of course, the the other thing is the time of day. So it's it's often best 
at the first light and the last light. You know, they tend to bite. They will bite well in the dark and they'll bite well in the daytime, but they often bite best just as the light's changing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what about tide, tides, uh, Mike? Are you kind of big into tides and moon phases, or have you? What do you? No, no, no. I, my my objective when I first started fishing for these things was to find a place and a time when I could fish any state the tide. You can't go to the same place, but there are always places that fish best at low tide, at high tide, when it's coming in, when it's going out, and it just depends. You go you go to the place that's appropriate if you can, of course. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's true, yeah. as you, Same here, I'd have low water marks. I'd have in estuaries the start of the flood or the start of the, the ebb, you know, um, different yeah. stages of the tide. The bass are, are there for different reasons, either holding up in holes or they're waiting to ambush prey coming out or they're, they're exactly. you know, mooching in over, over ground when the tide and pushes of course, in. And it's, it's a bit restricting, isn't it? If you only go, you know, on the top of the springs or something like that, then... 90% of the time's wasted sort of thing. You know, you don't go at all the times, but you can always find, there's always a place where the fish will feed. They'll feed uh, on any state of the tide if you're in the right sort of situation. Yeah, true, yeah, yeah. Um, and have you done, did you do much bass fishing uh, last year, Mike? Uh, no, because I was poorly last year. It's the first time I've really not, not fished a lot because I uh, I had the old man's thing, I had a prostate uh, problem and the, they had to take it out, and they made a bit of a, a hash of doing things. So it, it kiboshed my fishing for a while. You were laid up for a little while, but you're you're back. You're obviously back. You were in Brazil, were you fishing? Yeah, well, one of my sons lives in uh, in in East Brazil, just under the nose. You know, the nose that sticks out in the Atlantic. He he lives in a place near a place called Maceo. Okay, and uh, and we've just been with him, and he's a he's a keen fisherman. He's also a biologist like me, incidentally, and. Uh, we fished twice a day, every day, but just for an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. And we had we had quite a lot of snook, uh, which are about as near to bass as you could get over there. We had one, the, the best one he caught was about 20, 22 or 23 pounds, I think. Jeez, that's a good fish. That'll surely pull. Yeah, and they're just like, just like bass as much as anything. Really. Are you, you getting know, them on the lures, you, Mike, as well, yes? Yeah, all on lures. I'm from the shore, just flicking it out, yeah? From the, from the shore, yeah. yeah. And we caught a lot of uh, jacks as well. I don't really know jacks. They were caught jacks, but they're like a sort of giant sort of horse mackerel, a scad, you know, that type of fish. Yeah. And Christ, they, they can fight. I'm, they're one of the very few fish that's ever spooled me on the braided line. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, just couldn't, you just couldn't stop them if they're big ones. No way. I've caught, quite big, I've caught quite big ones, but... Uh, Sometimes they're just too much. You can't you can't handle them. Oh, that must be it. Must be some uh, feeling, though. All you can do is laugh, really, can't you? You know, he's he's gone. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, in fact, in a way, it's sort of it's sort of spoiled bass fishing. All the improvement in tackle, isn't it? You you know, if you hook a big bass now, the chances of it actually breaking away are nil virtually. Yeah, yeah. Unless it, find, unless it finds a, a serious snag. And they tend to fight near the surface anyway, so snags are not usually a problem. I mean, it can be a problem if there are rocks and things like that, but not usually a problem. So now where you're using line, which is about as thick as what I used to use, eight-pound nylon, which is what we spun with, you know, on eight-pound nylon, there's a fair chance the thing can, can break you on a small snag, but 
on 20 or 30 pound bread, he's got hardly any chance of getting away. Yeah, if you like, if you stick on, sure, you'd even you'd even get away with you know thirty, forty pound braid, no problem. If you stick on forty yeah, pound absolutely. braid and a twenty or thirty pound leader, um, you know you're going to be very unlucky to lose a decent fish if you you know it's going to be down to your knots being bad or or something like that. You know, so it's uh, yeah, as you said, you know, there's you know, uh, I suppose it does take a lot of the skill away if you are going that heavy. No, that's exactly right. But well, I don't know about skill because. I'm not a great believer in using fine line to give the fish a chance. I mean, that's a bit stupid, isn't it? You might just as well use the braid and be sure you're going to land it. But nobody wants to leave hooks and lures stuck in the mouth of a fish, do they? So you, yeah. don't, you don't want to lose anything, really. It's not it's not a matter of being sporting. It's a matter of being stupid that if you if you use too fine a line. Yeah, yeah, you don't. And, and the reality is, a lot of time you don't really need to to play overplay the fish either. Like especially if you're, you know, if you're no. if you're planning on putting them back, you know, no. you, you you know, there's there's no need. A lot of time you don't even need to give them drag. You know, a lot of the rods are so flexible now and such should shock absorb absorbed uh, absorption in them that you can just use the rod to kind of play the fish in. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then they're, they're never good. They're, they're not really going to get away. I mean, I. I, had a, I did have one example about uh, three years ago, and I was fishing a, a, a gully down on the coast here, and I was using uh, a weedless uh, soft plastic, uh, one of these red gill type things it yeah. was. And uh, I hooked a big fish, and it had got nowhere to go except through the rocks, and it went... It, it ploughed through a gap in the rocks. Right, yeah. it, it had rocks both sides, ploughed through a gap in the rocks, and it pinged my line, and I was distraught because I, I don't lose fish normally. Yeah, and yeah. And I, all the way going home uh, that morning, I thought, what should I have done? And, I, you know, I thought if it happens again, you know, what do I do? And a week or two later, I went down there again. Same thing, cast a weedless lure, just took this little gully in front of me, and the fish took it. And I I'd thought... If I stick the rod in the air, so I held my hand as high as I could get, yeah. and just took the bail took the bail arm off, and I thought the fish will know where to go, which it did. It swam through a gap in the rocks, and once it got over the other side of this ridge of rocks, I could play it, and I managed to play it round and land it. This one, oh, brilliant! So and you... that was a near that was a near double figure fish. But I, I would have liked to have got the one that got away a, a week or two before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's always the one that got away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was clever. Yeah, just hold the rod up so you're free. So you 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 get you know you mean you're keeping it free from snags. Well, hold I, it up. I, the, the fish knew where to go. It was just uh, me trying to hold it that, that was the problem. I shouldn't have hung onto it. I should have just let it go before until it got into open water. Yeah, yeah. Once, once they're in open water, they're relatively easy to catch, aren't they? Because they do swim near the surface usually. They don't normally dive down to the bottom. They're not like Pollock anyway, where you lose them all the time. <clears throat> yeah, true. Yeah, if the Pollock, yeah, if Pollock get down in the, in, in the bottom at all, they're, you know, they're gone. Yes, absolutely. And if it's snaggy, it's snaggy, isn't it, with Pollock? That's where they're going to go. Yeah, yeah. You get some great sport with the Pollock inshore on the boats here. And even the top water, I mean, the Pollock coming and taking top water lures, it's, uh, we'd be fishing for bass, obviously, and the Pollock could come up and lash the, lash the lures off the surface. And the first thing they do is turn down and go down to the bottom again. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. <laughs> yeah. great, great sport. Um, but look, you 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 are you are a big fan of the bass as well, and uh, I know you've, you you fish for a lot of other things as well. But um, you know, there's there is something about the bass, isn't there? I suppose they're nearly the perfect predator, aren't they? 
Oh, absolutely. The beautiful fish. And they've got such a, a variety of habits. You know, they'll, they'll take lures off the surface, subsurface, on the bottom, anything, live bait, dead bait, lures, everything. So the the every man's fish, really. You could try whatever method you wanted, I think, and it would, it would work sometimes anyway. Yeah, and they do give a good scrap in fairness. And even the small ones, you know, um, some of the smaller ones can scrap actually better than some of the bigger ones. Um, but, you know, you nearly always get a good scrap off a bass. Yeah, I've caught a few on the fly when I've been, well, quite a lot on the fly when I've been mullet fishing. I don't normally fly fish for them. You tend to pick up the, the schoolies if you're not careful when you're doing that. But I think mullet probably fight better than bass. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Sort of, sort, of, sort of, for the same weight of equipment, you know, sort of same strength of line and things like that. I think the mullet fight better than the bass do, but uh, it's touch and go. They're both pretty, pretty active sort of fish. They are, yeah. I'd say, yeah. I'd say the mullet kind of does shade it a bit. They do kind of just fight. They're, they, they fight like mad, don't they? They go bonkers sometimes. The mullet do. They've got a lot of. Um, endurance of mullet I think that's that's the thing about them they'll just keep going for a long time you know I mean you can easily on, on sort of six pound nylon and a and a fly rod you can spend best part of 20 minutes trying to get one in because they, they really can go yeah yeah like I mean like you, you've you've caught so many fish from all over the world over the years and um, I know it's probably impossible to to say. Um, you know what what was your favourite like? But um, I mean, you've you've I think you were out. You you've you fished for striped bass as well. Um, what did you yeah. think of that? Yeah, they're just like bass, really, but big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where did no, you fish for them? Not, in, in, I've only been there once. I went over to Cape Cod with some of my pals. Oh, uh, brilliant. A lot, of the, a lot of the bass members go over there, I think, fishing for, for stripers. And it's quite nice catching big ones, but uh, they're just, they are just bass. I enjoyed catching the bluefish when I was there. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. And there, uh, I, in fact, I was using, by the time I'd finished, we were only there for just over a week, and I was, by the time I'd finished, I was using sort of about a pound of bluefish as bait for the striped bass. Right, yeah, yeah. So there was some good fish in there. Did you get some good ones, like? Not really. No, not as big as... I mean, one of my pals, uh, an American chap, had one that was 40 pounds while I was there. Okay, but, that's nice. Uh, that was way bigger than anything that I caught. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a nice one, all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, look, at. I haven't been yet, but I really do. I, I will go at some stage, you know. Um, oh, you'd enjoy it. You'd enjoy it. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful place. Yeah, I was chatting to a guy recently there. He actually fishing in kind of the metro area there, um, in and around you know the, the end of JFK Airport there, in around the bays yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, I know. And, yeah, and he's, he's some fantastic fishing in there. You know, it's just hard to believe, really. But um, but it's they they do they do they're there. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think fish of ten of to fifteen pounds are, are relatively commonplace sometimes over there. So. That, I mean, that's a big bass by anybody's standards, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is, yeah. And here, what's your plans for this year, Mike? You're going to catch up on, um, on the missed time last year anyway, I'd say. Well, I've got I've got another son in Australia, and we're going to see him in the autumn. Oh, brilliant, uh, you're spoiled but, for choice. I don't, I don't think I'll be doing much fishing there. There's not, the opportunities are less there than, than I get over here. Right. Um, but I, So most of my time will be spent, as usual, fishing 
the bass and mullet in the summer, I expect. Yeah, yeah. Do you have access to estuaries and stuff there, Mike? Uh, don't do much estuary fishing. No, no, very little. There are a couple of estuaries here. They do catch some in the local river at, uh, at Wareham, where I live. Uh, but nobody really fishes for them there. All right, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And if you go down into the uh, the, the rivers, running to Pool Harbour, the big harbour, uh, uh, just this at uh, the west of Bournemouth, and uh, there tend to be an awful lot of school bass there. It's a sort of nursery area as well, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again, it's a good sign, isn't it? It's good to see so many school bass around. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. But. You don't want to be catching them all the time. It's a bit of a, it can be a bit of a pest, can't it? <laughs> yeah, they can. Yeah, especially when you're looking for something decent. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Mike, you fished out in Portugal as well, I believe. Have you? Well, one of my sons, the the one who was in Brazil, was in Portugal for three years. Um, he'd just gone back to Brazil in last September, in fact, and uh, times, but in the north and. From what I saw, not only of what we did catch some bass, but uh, what I saw in the north where we were fishing, when we were there, there weren't very many big fish. But I see somebody just had one about 18 pounds over there, probably a bit further south than where we were, I think. And there, there was, they catch a lot of big fish further down, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, I suppose it's kind of come, come I suppose, popular for, for UK and Irish anglers to go out to Portugal and to find these big bass, yeah, um, you know, big, you know, 18 and as possible, a 20 pound bass as possible out there, you know, which is, um, yeah. I suppose it's very, uh, it's very uh, attractive uh, um, to go out there, but it is, it is a different type of fishing out there, all right, it's more rugged coastline and, um, you know, you could spend days there and get nothing and, uh, but it, obviously it, it is worth it if you if there's a chance of getting a 20 pound bass i suppose the big problem i experienced was the fact that quite i mean we tend to go for a short holiday when we went and uh, when you go you can be faced with sort of uh, three meter swells coming in on the beach you know that doesn't make it very easy to fish no no definitely not relaxing anyway <laughs> <laughs> Um, and tell me, I love I love hearing the stories about you know the, back back in the good days when you know it's some great bass fishing. You must have had some fantastic um, sessions and and big fish. Like, can can you remember some of those early days when when you had some great these great sessions on the bass? Yeah, I remember going two mornings with uh, each with a different pal each each of these two mornings, two successive mornings, and I think we had a hundred hundred and thirty fish and. Lots of them were in the sort of six to eight pound class, all all just spinning from the shore. Wow! I don't think I've ever, I, I don't think I'll ever do better than that. No, <laughs> I don't think you will. <laughs> that's uh, that's it. That literally, literally, we fished for about two or three hours each morning, and uh, it was hard. It was hard work, but that, so that's about twelve man hours. And we were catching fish all the time, you know. But and you can do that with bass. I mean, you can catch your 90% of your years catching one morning if you get the right day, can't you? Yeah, true, true. Sometimes it doesn't happen very often, but um, nowadays, no. for, for me anyway, but um, some days you could have a bass cast after cast for maybe two hours, three hours, you know, exactly. cast after cast. Exactly. And, and um, it, 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 it still happens, um, but but not like what you had back then. It was just, uh, it's probably, you know, it's, it's great to look back, I'd say, and, and remember that, you know, because um, just amazing fishing really, isn't it? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, the once in a lifetime, these sort of things, or perhaps two or three times in a lifetime if you're lucky. But, I mean, you can still ca- go out and catch, uh, you know, half a dozen or a dozen decent fish sometimes. So Yeah, that's, yeah. That's quite pleasant. Yeah. And I mean, big... let's face it, people like you and me wouldn't be going all the time still if it was no good, would it? If you caught one fish every ten trips, it'd be a waste of time. <laughs> that's true. And and another thing as well, if it was, I suppose, if it was too easy, we probably wouldn't bother either as well, would we? You know? No, uh, no. It just, you know, it, it it's... Uh, I suppose we're kind of lucky in a way that it's it's still there's still fish there. We there's still some good sport to be had, and um, there's still still there's always something to learn, isn't there? But you're always looking for more and bigger, aren't you? I mean, whatever it's been like, you're always thinking, mm, you know, perhaps if I didn't done that, I'd have caught a few more. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd caught, or I'd have caught a few bigger ones. Uh, so yeah. there's always something to improve on. Yeah, there's always, uh, you know, if I'd have come an hour earlier, I would have been into the fish, you know, I got the end of them this time, you know. <laughs> Believe me, after 80 odd years, I know that it doesn't actually get better any easier. It's still just as difficult now as it always was, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here, some big fish, and we always love big fish. Can you remember some big fish stories, big bass that you've caught and, or even lost, you know? Um well, the, the the biggest one I've caught, I've never I've never caught a monster, but the biggest one I caught was uh, was over thirteen pounds, and I'd gone down and I'd I was too late, so my two pals had gone further along, and uh, uh, I thought I can't be bothered to trample. I could see them in the distance along the shore, and I thought I can't bother to trample along there, and I chucked out the lure, and I had a fish about five pounds. I thought that that was that was good, so. I thought I'll just that wasn't very far. I'll just try casting along. I cast the lure just a few yards along, and only a, perhaps a, a yard from the edge. And this thirteen-pounder took it. So wow. that was that was a pleasing experience. And another occasion, I went with my pal Dave, and we'd walked probably a couple of miles along the beach, and. Uh, I'd left him behind by this time, and uh, it was quite rough, and we'd had nothing. And I, uh, I hooked the fish and played it for quite a long time. And it was in a stage many years ago when I used to carry a little gaff on my back just in case I caught a really big fish. Yeah. And uh, I was reeling this fish in, and I thought, "Geez, that's the biggest one I've ever seen in my life." No way! Yeah, yeah. And I just reached reach back for the gaff, and then I, as I did. It opened its mouth, which is like cold scuttle, and the plug popped out. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> it took me about it took me about a fortnight to get pluck up the courage to bother going again because yeah. you think well, it's never going to happen again, you know, after you've done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's nothing worse. Um, I had a similar similar situation uh, probably two years ago now in in the estuary, and I had this lovely big fish and. I got it in, played it after a while, got it in, had to pump it up out of the estuary, got it in right at me feet, and I was like, geez, that is the biggest bass. I, I had got one earlier, about seven pounds, and I was like, yeah. this looks twice as big. This is huge, yeah, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I just gathered myself, and uh, I was just getting, I was up to kind of my waist in water in the estuary, and I just just turned around to walk back to the shore, and I grabbed the line, uh, my uh, mistake, the first mistake there, I grabbed the line to pull the fish back up onto the onto the sand, and the same situation, like you, she opened her mouth and just shook the lure. The lure pinged out, and she just sat there. And I was like, 
Well, I jump on this fish now, or or what, you know? And uh, but she just kind of slithered off into the depths again. And uh, yeah, but yeah, like you, it took me a while to get over that one. You know? We've all we've all seen that sort of thing happen one time or another because it's typical fisherman's story, and that's what my kids all say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they're always like twice as big as anyone you land. You know, the ones that get yeah, away. Yeah, but but this this is I've seen a lot of bass, and this was a big fish, you know. I'll never, I'll never see another one like it. I don't suppose now. Not, no, no, but not after eighty years fishing, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never know, though. You never know. Um, but you're you obviously, know. you obviously still like going bass fishing again. Like, oh, what? I love it. You know, you, you, you haven't got bored of it after after years and years of fishing. You still, you can still get the buzz out of it. Yeah. My my wife would tell you that. Yes. <laughs> she knows I'll go any time. Anyway, well, when I was in, as I say, when I was in Brazil for however many days we were there, see, five weeks, yeah. <laughs> every day, me and my son went every morning and every evening. I mean, he had to take the kids to school at seven o'clock in the morning, so we had to go out fairly early, and we fished for an hour, and then he had to come back to take the kids to school. So uh, uh, we did pretty well. I think we had we had forty, de- not bass, but forty decent fish, snook and jacks and and catfish and a variety of other things you know Brilliant. so it was pretty intensive fishing that yeah so plenty of action yeah he keeps thinking i'm gonna drop dead when i go i think so now i'm getting <laughs> too old <laughs> oh keep going there's still a there's still plenty of years left in you by the sounds of it i i hope so i hope so it would be nice to think so yeah <laughs> yeah there's a there's a friend of mine he goes out he's he's 75 now and he um he goes out in the kayak. He's kayak fishing, and he'll go out. He'll, oh, go, yeah. he'll go out all day and fish all day, and not a bother off him. Um, he's nearly fitter than me at this stage. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you just got to keep keep going. I think you don't you don't want to pack in. I think when you pack in, that's the end. Probably you know when you stop doing it, like, yeah, when you stop yeah. enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Isn't, isn't it amazing that, like, no matter how bass you've, like, you've caught thousands and thousands of bass over the years, and, you, you know, you still, you'd still love to go out and get another one, you know, that, that buzz oh, is yeah. still there, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it, it's, it's, there's just so much to angling that keeps us going there. Um, exactly. And that, do you think that's the interest, really, isn't it? It's a, the, there's so many different things, you never know everything about these things, you really don't. I mean, it, it, anybody who tells you that they know all about bass fishing is talking rubbish. Yeah, yeah, no, and and soon, and then what I find, uh, you, as soon as you think you know something, then they go and do something that you know exactly, contradicts exactly. it, and you know. So uh, that's the good thing, though. You're always you're always thinking. It keeps the mind active. It's you're just constantly, yeah. you know. Um, you know, trying to trying to think of tactics and watercraft and sussing out different areas. It's just uh, sure it's brilliant for the brain. I expect, I expect, like me, you've come back a few times after a few good trips, and you thought, oh, we've cracked that place now, and then you <laughs> go the next time and zip on nothing. <laughs> yeah, or you tell a good maid, and you say, look, it, come down, come down yeah, tomorrow. You're, you're guaranteed. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's typical. <laughs> yeah, and then they're standing <laughs> yeah. there looking at you at five in the morning saying, what are you talking about? There's no fish here. <laughs> yeah, you say, well, it was good yesterday. That's what they say, don't they? It was good yesterday. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, another thing I want to talk to you about, Mike, you're, you're obviously a very accomplished um, sea trout angler as well. Um, the sea trout are fascinating creatures. They're very, um, yeah. they're very yeah. uh, frustrating, I suppose, is one way of putting it as well, but, um, but great sporting fish. Yeah. I've caught a lot of sea trout, not in the sea 
so much. I've had one or two in the sea, but not, mostly in the local rivers here. So I fish the rivers for, I fish for pike, salmon, and, and sea trout. And what I, what I did latterly when I did fish for sea trout, I'm not even a year or two now, but uh, I was making up um, a little spinner with a, a beta light in it. Instead of the body, you know, like a Mets type lure. Yeah. And in, instead of the body, I put one of those little beta lights, which glows all the time. Oh, yeah. stick on a rod dip. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was that was <laughs> that's absolutely murder for sea trout in the dark. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. That is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And any any kind any color like I know there's red ones and green ones. Did it well, matter? I use, I, use, I use the green one because that's what a lot of these. Luminous animals are like they've got a green uh, glow on them, haven't they? You, you must have seen the green phosphorescence in the sea a lot of the time when you've been fishing. Yes, yes. That's and interesting. That, I think it, it definitely attracts fish. Does that? I think. Yeah, yeah. So what? So you kind of just glue it onto a lure, yeah, onto the onto the. Well, what I do, I put a bit of clear shrink tube around it. So you on the shaft instead of having the metal shaft on the thing, I just replace it with a. a a beta light and a and a bit of clear shrink tube, and it it holds it in place. Jeez, that's brilliant! I love that. Yeah, I'm gonna try that myself now very soon. <laughs> give, it, give it a go. Yeah, yeah. Make sure it's legal where you're doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't see why it would be illegal, to be honest. And I, I also, you'd be interested in this. I also make up lures with a, a waggy tail, and I use. Um, I don't know if you've seen these Sandra lures. Have you the Super Sandra type lures? Yes. You can get a, you can get one that's it's not luminous exactly, but if you shine a light on it, it'll it'll fluoresce for about uh, uh, three or four casts, which is a bit of a pain in the bum to me, to be honest. I'm having to keep shining the light on it to make it work. Yeah. But that's very effective in the dark as well. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. So you can use a soft plastic. With a with a weedless hook, so you don't need to worry about where you're fishing. You know what's in front of you: rocks, weed, anything. And you can have one of these waggly, uh, luminous tails on it. And uh, that's that again. That's very effective for bass in the dark. I know you can catch plenty in the dark anyway, but that's a good way of doing it. Very good. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I know. Actually, um, there's a you can get these Western Sandy Andy lures. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but there's one in particular. It's a Sandy lure and um, I think it's a RoboCod one, but it's actually if you put the light on it, you know it's this fluorescent. It stays fluorescent for a that's while. Right. That's um, right. That's interesting. Yeah, I could try try it out in the dark as well. Um, the the thing that got me, I can I can't be bothered shining the light on the thing every few yeah, casts. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You kind of have to charge it up every few casts, don't you? But it, it, it again, it definitely works. You know, there's no doubt it works. Yeah, it's in these little, little, little kind of adjustments. I remember fishing bass in the estuary there with a friend ah, a while ago, and I did a white metal lure, and um, it was quite effective. But what I did was, you ever see these trebles and they have the little silver blades on them? Um, yeah. So I yeah. clipped on one of these trebles with the blade on it, the little fluttery blade on it, and um, oh, geez, it drove the bass mad. They were mad for it. Um, and yeah. I was fishing alongside the guy with the other lure, and sure, I was getting twice as many hits. Um, just this little flutter on it, yeah. you know, um, whatever it was, was just just driving them, driving them mad. So, um, some, sometimes little subtle changes like that can can kind of increase the sport. I, I, I think uh, I, I know they used to use them in Wales. I remember reading about that. They used a a toby with a um, 
fly on the on the back end instead of the the treble hook, you know. So you uh, uh, fly about the same length as the lure, so you can double the length of the lure uh, and cast cast it quite a long way because these tobies have got a fair bit of weight behind them. Oh yeah, them. just have a, like a trailing fly off the end of the toby. Yeah, is yeah it? exactly. Oh, very and interesting. That, that's, that's pretty good. I guess you could use a wedge as well. I've not tried that, but I guess you could use that as well if you wanted. Yeah, yeah. I remember I seen a method oh, years ago for sea trout, and I actually tried it. And the very first time I tried it, I couldn't believe it. I got a trout on it. But it was like, I don't know if you've seen the guys. I think it originated maybe in Norway or somewhere, or, or, or Denmark or somewhere. But they had like these Bombarda floats. Um, so like the, the float, um, kind yeah. of like a weighted float. And then a trailing kind of um, a fly kind of runner off it. Um, a fly runner off, up, kind of up top in front of the lure, you know. So you have a bombarda, and then you have a length yeah. of a length of line and a lure on the end of it. But then just up in front of the lure, you have like a, a kind of a, a, a you tie off a fly on a maybe maybe ten centimeters of uh, of uh, fluorocarbon, you know. So the fly is in front of the lure as such. It's like the lure is chasing a little fly. Um, yeah. And uh, I remember I tried it and. Lo and behold, first session, um, I got I got a trout on it. I couldn't believe it. Um, it just worked. I think the bombarda it keeps the lure, you know, just under the surface. If you know what I mean. So it's a metal lure. So the the float is keeping the lure maybe a foot under the surface, two feet under the surface, yeah. and then yeah. you have the little fly in front of that. Then and obviously it 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 uh, it worked. But it's it's funny. Uh, I don't think I ever really tried it ever again after that. You know. Um, uh, yeah. That, again, that's a that's a fairly typical story where I've tried some out you know and it, it seems to work but it's a matter of whether you'll persist or not to do these things yeah yeah i mean i i, I did it i did a, an experiment which i think i wrote about in one of the magazines years ago when i i was talking to you about fish biting when it got light in the morning you know as, as the light changes yes and i i decided how, how would i find out that these things were actually you know when they were biting and i thought well, it's no good fishing with a lure could you spend half your time then reeling fishing and taking them off. So I uh, I fished without any hook on. Right. <laughs> and I spun without a hook. And it was, uh, every every time I had a bite, I put a tick, I had a, I, you wouldn't believe this, I stood on the rocks with a spreadsheet, ticking it off every time I got a bite for, for each cast. And it was quite remarkable how it peaked about sort of 20 minutes before the sun came up. That's, uh, and that's... then he went off. Right. So you got a, you're, you're getting far more bites just for that short period of time. It's even in the tropics. It's even more obvious because it gets light within ten or fifteen minutes there. You know, so you've got a very short period when the fish will go berserk, and then that's it. You might as well go home after that. That's really interesting. So just just prior, just before it gets bright, like that last. Just before, yeah, just before it gets light, yeah. When the sun gets up, often they've gone. Of course, it depends what the fish are. So often in the dark, you'll start catching scad, and then you'll get macro, and then you'll get bass. I mean, it's not it's not cut and dried, but that's the there's a pattern of the species of fish that you catch as well. That's, uh, and the pollock yeah. go off as it gets light before the bass do. And sometimes you'll continue catching well into daylight, of course, but it's better uh, that short period of time just before it gets light. That's um that's a yeah that's a that's a good one that is now yeah um Mike you obviously love you love writing I, I've you know I've seen your like your fishing diary there on your website it's just like you could 
you know, you could just throw away everything else you have and just 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 read read that stuff. And there's just years and years of stuff there to to learn from. It's it's amazing uh, resource there. Um, you obviously enjoy writing, and you and of course you wrote a number of books as well, like Lore Fishing, The Hooked on Bass, and you know the Operation Sea Anglers as well. Um, you obviously really enjoy that. Oh yeah, but I mean, I certainly don't do it for the money. There's no money <laughs> yeah, in it really. Yeah. <laughs> but but the uh, yeah yeah I do I enjoy doing that and I the the website I, I've just I mean I've never never got any money from that I've mean, never attempted to do advertising or anything like that but uh, it's just for people's interest really and I know there are some people interested I don't know how many people are but I get you know I get periodically get uh, emails from people asking questions about things I've said and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I so, couldn't believe when I started. So obviously, was there is some purpose in doing it? I guess some people are interested anyway. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe it when I stumbled on it, and uh, it's just, just sure I could, I could live two lifetimes, and there still wouldn't have enough time to go through all the all the information in it. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of inf- there's a lot of information in there now. I don't know how many thousand photographs and things there are in it. I think people are only the more interested in in videos and youtube now i should probably put more time into doing that sort of thing instead of just writing about it perhaps. yeah but i think you can get you know you can you can get go really into detail with the writing you know and uh, uh I, I i love reading reading the articles anyway and and you know you can just sometimes you can just you absorb a bit more from reading and you can go back to it as well easier you know um and there's just so much in there you know i just i just zone in on all the bass stuff you know <laughs> Well, I'll tell you one thing. I, 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 I about always learning things. My, same, I've been with my son fishing for a month there, and we fished a lot while I was away with him. Yeah, uh, sh- all short sessions. And he said, he, he said, oh, "You're not going to use that lure, Dad, are you?" Sort of thing, you know. He said, "He said you want to try one of these." Things? Yeah. Now he was using a, he was using a plug about, I don't know, thirteen or fourteen centimeters long. Right. Yeah. Uh, shallow, shallow diving plug. And I was trying different things, thinking I might do better than him. And he probably outfished me about three to one with, with fish. And he said, he said, you know, you don't wind fast enough, Dad. <laughs> right, now, yeah. I'm, getting a, I'm getting a bit too old to wind any faster. But, yeah. and, and it's not just in the tropics. I said, yeah, I said, these tropical fish, I said, I know they'll, they'll take loads. He said, you can't wind too fast. I said, oh. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Now, and now he's been telling me this for a year or two now, and I, I sort of, I believe what he says because he's he's not stupid when it comes to anything. But what he said was he'd been when he was fishing in Portugal recent, fairly recently. He said he'd been fishing a place and he could see school basses, and there was a small school bass. He said and he's he's winding in as fast as he could. He said, and he didn't even have to try to catch it. This this bass. Yeah, yeah. Now, now by I'm not saying that it was the it was the fast wine that did it, but it certainly didn't stop him catching three times as many fish as me. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, yeah, sometimes like I know when I fish in, in the dark at night, I I reel in dead slow. You know, dead slow. Yeah, same at here, same here. Um, yeah. And I know sometimes, you know, when you're fishing during the daytime and, and you kind of you feel, oh, maybe I'm maybe I'm winding this in a bit fast. But the reality is, as you just said, I've seen bass come from nowhere like a torpedo to take the lure. Like split second, they just they, they move so fast. But I suppose it depends on it depends on whether the fish wants to use that energy yes. to chase your lure. You know, that's, that's exactly. You know, um, exactly. It's like the pike, I think, actually. I think, I, 
Um, yes. Sorry, I'd like to pike. Again, you obviously thought about all these things. I mean, go on, tell me about the pike first, go on. Yeah, yeah, with the pike on the boat there the other day, and I, I, I couldn't believe how fast they arrived at the lower. Like, I know you've probably seen it yourself many, many times that you know, winding the lower up to the boat and just stopping it before I go to take it out of the water. Next minute, this pike arrives, like, a split second out of nowhere, and the speed of them has a look at the lore, either takes it or, or zips off again. It's like, it's nearly like CGI animation. He's that fast, you know? It's exactly, it's, it, I mean, you, you, you really, again, you put your finger on it at first there because these these fish, it depends what the fish are doing. There are sometimes, you've, you've, like me, you'll have caught bass by just sort of trailing the lure slowly across the surface and they've come up and, and nearly sometimes if you're using a surface lure, a slider or a popper, they'll take it when it's lying dead on the surface, won't they? So yeah. it doesn't have to be going fast all the time. But having said that, when I've been away in, in, in the tropics and I fish for things like barracuda, and I remember once fishing with my pal Steve and I saw the, saw this barracuda, he was he was fishing a surface lure and the fish was probably 10 yards away from his lure and before you could see it it had taken the lure this thing so they can be so they're so fast it's unbelievable these things and and pike of course like a slow moving lure they like they like an easy meal in front of them if they can but the speed they move when they actually take it is phenomenal isn't it I mean they yeah. they have it literally in their mouth before you could you can see it. It's too quick for you to walk to see what's happening, basically. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. You you nailed it there. Yeah, and um, just yeah, just split second, bang, gone. You know. Um, now they weren't they weren't big pike, but they were they were. It was great sport. You know. Um, it was just it was good to get get some action. And bass, being very versatile, can do both. They can take it slow, they can take it fast. But but as I say, it made me think. Uh, I ought to be winding a bit faster anyway. I mean, fish with Richard over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd say you have good crack fishing with each other. Yeah, like there's a bit of competition, I suppose, and a bit of you know, a bit of bit of bit of banter. Uh, well, he's my best fishing mate. He's my my son. I've got four sons, but he's the one who's really fanatical fisherman. The other ones all have their advantages, but he's the one who we we go fishing together whenever we get the chance. Yeah, yeah. He really has that fishing bug. Exactly. I think he's my clone, really. That's the truth. Yes, sounds like it. All right. <laughs> um, and here, about all, of all your books, Mike, which one did you did you enjoy uh, the most? Um, would you say the first one, Operation Sea Angler, that I wrote with my two pals, yeah, Terry and Harry. They're both. I'm afraid they're both gone the other way now. They don't do any more fishing now. But. Uh, right. uh, and I've got a bit of their bit of their gear that I still use. Ah, brilliant, brilliant, and it's nice to have that. And you did a second kind of wave of that Operation Sea Angler as well, didn't you? Yes, yes, that's right. And uh, interestingly, it's not sold at all that one. I don't understand because it's a different book. I think it was because they gave it the same title. I blame the, blame the publishers for that. It wasn't, wasn't my idea. Yeah, yeah. When did that one come out? Oh. Now you've got me. Not that many years. It was in the in the two thousand and teens, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, so, and it, it, it's I, I wanted to call it the second wave, but they wanted to call it Operation Sea Angler, the second wave. And <laughs> yeah. It's like like a lot of the like a lot of these books. 
you just you look at the title and you think, oh, that's the same book I've read before. I'm not going to buy that again, sort of thing. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, true, true, yeah. Um, whereas I say, there's no, there's no, there's not a lot of money in books. I don't think I'm going to make a fortune. I'm not going to be Richard Walker or uh, 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 one of those type no, authors no, anyway. But, but do you do you enjoy the process of of writing a book? Oh yeah, it? yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really just putting down. Your experiences, I think, is the thing, you know, and and trying to work out why these things happen. That that's the interesting thing, isn't it? it and is. everybody will have their own opinion. I mean, they're not they're not all like me. They don't all think like me. Yeah, yeah, but what I find is like you know you have your theories and whatnot, and a lot of them will work for you, and like I have mine, and they'll work for me, and this you know you know Tony has his, and they work for him, and John has his, and they work for him. You know that kind of way That's we all right. we and it's, yeah. it's, it's the same with lures as well, isn't it? You will have your favorite lures, and you'll swear by them, and I'll have my favorite lures and swear by them. They're completely different lures, but they're all they're effective. They're all yeah. effective. You That's know? what I say. What that suggests is that it doesn't matter too much, doesn't it? Really? No, no, yeah, yeah. You can still, you know, fire out a German bait or a Dexter's wedge, and you know, on on its day, it'll still well, do good. Pick up any catalogue. How many? How many different trout flies are there in there? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. thousands of thousands of patterns, and they can't all be. They can't all be useful. I mean, yeah. you're not telling me the trout the trout can tell the difference between most of these. There's probably one or two patterns that are really good, but most of them are probably all much the same, I think. Yeah, yeah. But look, Mike, it's the same with lures. I have a room full of lures there that might never see the light of day ever, you know? And yeah, uh, That's right. That's right. You know, but, but, but the fascination is nearly buying something to try and I'll buy five of them to try and you know or then I'll see something next week and I'll try some of them and, and all of a sudden you've sure it'll never ever get used but you're looking it's all about experimenting and, and research isn't it well the, the lure manufacturers love people like you that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they hate people like me yeah 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 <laughs> Oh, like I can't buy one lore at a time, you know, you'll buy ten, buy ten of those and five of these and, you know. Um, well, I suppose the principle should be really, you need, if you go fishing, you need two of the of the ones that you use. And you, so that probably means there are probably three or four different types that might be useful. So two of each of them. So you probably only need about ten lures altogether, really, don't you? It is true. And reality is, like, from one end of the year to the other, I'd probably use the same maybe five lures most of the time. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's, that's... Exactly. That's the reality. And the other ones you'll try occasionally when things are desperate. And they probably don't work then either. You should probably be trying them when things are good, shouldn't you? Yeah, exactly, yeah. But then what I find is when you're in fish and you're, you're in the action, it's very hard to take off your good lure and put on one that you've never used before. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, that's, that's the hard part. That's I don't the have them, the discipline for that, you know. Maybe I need to no. open my mind a bit more. <laughs> I, can, I, 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 I can be fairly sort of, disciplined about doing it lightly using a lure with no hook on it that was that was quite a it took a bit of effort to do that but it was worth doing it was interesting when i'd done it yeah yeah that's a very worthwhile experiment you can see the problem quite if you've got if you've got a hook on you know you just spend all your time fiddling about with fish sort of thing and yeah yeah, i couldn't i just wanted to know how many bites i was going to get but you've got to do that when there are plenty of fish about, of course. It's no good doing it if you're getting a bite every 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, and like, did you ever kind of, I know a lot of the guys here now, they're, they kind of would go towards the fly fishing for bass and they don't really come back to the lures. Did you ever kind of 
Did you ever kind of fly fish for bass seriously, or, or oh, do you? Oh yeah, yeah. But but I, I we, we did quite a lot of it at one time when we first started off. Particularly, uh, what what used to happen is to go fishing and used to see thousands of mullet feeding on the surface where I go. Yeah, and used to think, well, if I could only find a way of catching these mullet. You know that would be fantastic. Yeah, they ignored lures completely. I mean, you you know, if you caught one a year, you'd be doing well, sort of thing, unless you foul hooked it somehow. Yeah, yeah. But when we discovered about how to catch these things on flies using imitation maggot flies, we then started catching bass on these flies. But most of the bass that we caught were small, and you could sometimes catch quite a lot. You could pick the bass out by using a a streamer fly, one of these things that looks like a little fish or something like that, right, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. And so that that would be effective. But in my experience, anyway, I think you might be all right using these things that look like a budgie or a cow's tail that they use for pike. That might be good where catching bigger bigger bass. Now, I know one or two people who've tried that, and it appears to work. But generally, the lures are too small. You know, you tend what happens is you tend to catch the little ones if you use these Small little, small flying. little baits, yeah, yeah. And, it, and using a, to be honest, using a damn great big, the size of a budgie on a on a fly rod, is not just hard work. It's it's awful. I think I can't yeah. be bothered doing that. Yeah. It's not fly fishing, really. Why do you use a fly rod in the first place? You use it to cast a weightless lure, basically, don't you? Something that's got no weight to itself. You use the line to get the lure out. So you may as well use a spinning rod if you're going to use a big lure. That's it, like, yeah, yeah. And I know I see some guys using, you can kind of even get these popper flies. They're like a surface popper fly fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've used them, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You might as well be using the lure rod with a popper on it, you know. (laughs) And they work. I mean, I've got again, I've got some pals who've caught some really big bass on, on lures. But it's more a matter of being in the right place at the right time yeah, than, yeah. than using that. You know, there are places, if there are big bass there, you would catch them on anything and any tactic, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but they are selective, there's no doubt. If you use tiny lures, you'll generally catch smaller bass. Yeah, yeah. And you can get good fun. You, I guess you can get, have good fun catching sort of one-pound fish on on fly gear, you know, on light fly gear, it's good fun. Yeah. The better, the better fun than trout, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. And if, I suppose, what are your kind of, what are your favourite lures, Mike? Um, like if you're going off fishing now next week or whenever you, you go out, what are what are the first first couple of lures you'll you'll stick on? I'd still use a jointed Rapala. Yeah. Uh, or, or I would use... Uh, a wheelless soft plastic, and it would depend more on the conditions than on the fish, I think. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose, uh, did, you ever, did you ever kind of use surface lure as much? Yeah, I used them a lot, but I used them because it was good fun, because yeah. you could see the fish take very often, you know, yeah. and it was a bit different. But I think, in general... I caught more fish, even in the same conditions, I caught more fish with a subsurface lure than one on the surface. Not all the time. I mean, sometimes the surface lure is better. But it's it's a different experience, isn't it, seeing one hit the lure on the surface to just feeling the rod go around when you get a bite sort of thing. I mean, uh, they're yeah. two different things. Yeah, it's the surface lure. It's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. 
It is. It's it's you know it's getting all the senses going. You're kind of very visual, and then you hear the yeah. you know you hear the slap of the lure, you know, and exactly, and then you feel it, you know. So you've kind of you the visuals, the audio before you even get the field bite, you know. Exactly. Um, it's it's really uh, it's it's brilliant. It's a brilliant way of fishing. All right. It's a bit like the pleasure people get out of float fishing. I think a lot of people like float fishing because they like to watch a float and see what it does. Yeah, yeah. And it's a bit like that when you use a surface. Isn't it? it is, yeah, it is. It's very, very exciting. But, but uh, like most of my fishing is is shallow diving lures. It's just something that I'm confident using, and I'll use if I go to an open beach. I clip on my my shallow diving lure first to have a scout around to see what's we see what's there. And same with you know if I'm over rocky, roughy, rough ground, or if there's a bit of a flow in it, I'll stick on my shallow diver. Um, yeah. Just to, to scan the area first. Um, I, and it's funny enough when I was fishing pike there the other day, I had my bass lures, of course. So I said, I, yeah. I'm not. I, I, it's only my second time ever fishing pike, and I said, "Look, it's okay if I use one of these. Will they take these?" And he said, "Sure, try it. I mean, it's a wobble, a wobble and bait." He, I'm sure and I bet they took it, didn't they? The, the, I, I, I used it. I had the same lures, the IMA Sasuk, and I used it all day. And I had maybe 14, 14, 15 pike on the lure, and they were they loved it. They loved it. And of course, they'll take a big, a big weedless soft plastic as well, but they will rip it to bits sort of thing. You know, after yeah. you've got two or three, it'll be in tatters with the thing. Yeah, yeah. Especially them little pike, jack pike with their sharp teeth, you know. Jeez, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and if, to... you're paying, if you're paying a fiver a time for these things, uh, you don't really want it to be ripped apart every time you catch a fish, do you? No, no, <laughs> you don't. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought it was really interesting that they, sure, they loved the bass lures. They, it was, it was, yeah, uh, you've just, you just, Touched on something there because you gather I'm a mean Yorkshireman as well. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't like spe- I don't like spending more money on lures than after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look at I. I've seen you know we we pay twenty five. You can pay thirty euro for like a, a brand a branded <laughs> lure here. You know, but oh, don't don't say that. You you. You give me a pain when you say yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> but but you know these 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 websites now in China, you can get a similar lure for two euro. Um, yeah, you know, and that's that's the reality, um, and, uh, and that's 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 the option there as well, you know. So, um, and some of them, I've a I've a lure that I get from China, and it's one of my best shallow diving lures. It's two euro, and I think my best session there a couple of years ago I had twenty eight bass one night on this lure, and it's just brilliant, you know. And uh, that's it; they're two euro each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I have thought that I, what I ought to do is buy myself a couple of gallons of this uh, soft plastic stuff and, and mix mould myself some. But, I again, I just can't be bothered messing <laughs> about with this sort of thing. Yeah. I'm sure I could make something that was, well, I couldn't say better, but at least as good as anything that you could buy, you know, without too much trouble. You could, you could, but you know what? It's I, I tried it. I did dabble there during COVID. I bought some of that plastisol and I dabbled with making some lures and I just yeah. it was fun like and mixing colours and all and I said you know what it's just as easy for me to buy I could buy, buy yeah, yeah like they're, for, not that, they're not that expensive are they no no I buy a pack of lures for whatever 5-10 euro and yeah. it's it's just uh, you know as you said I couldn't be bothered you know? <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um, but look at Mike um, I've kept you longer than I hoped but I really enjoyed chatting to you and thanks a million um, for joining well, uh, me um, really enjoyed that. And have you any plans to do any more writing? Uh, any books? I am always writing. I've I, 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 I'm always writing something. I haven't got any 
fishy. I've got I've got two possible ones. One with a pal from New Zealand about sort of a sort of joint fishing ventures, and another one with a, my my pal who does a lot of spinning here. And I thought we might be able to write something about bass fishing. You know, him doing the lure side and me doing the uh, the bait side now, but. I don't know whether we'll ever actually get it. If I die before I finish these things, nothing will happen with them, I expect. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. We'll try not to do that for a while anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll try not to. And it's been lovely talking to you anyway. Thanks very much, Mike. And uh, we, we'll chat again, hopefully. And uh, good luck this year on the bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, all the best. Thanks, Mike. Mind yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye now.